Welcome to the Clinical Podcast Series brought to you by the American Academy of Optometry Foundation. The topic for this episode is near work symptoms and measures of accommodation in children. I'd like to thank our host, Dr. April Jasper, our topical expert, Dr. Ann Morrison, and our topical editor, Dr. Mo Plowman. And now it's my pleasure to begin today's podcast. Hi, everyone. I'm April Jasper, and I'm speaking today with Ann Morrison, an assistant professor at the Ohio State University College of Optometry. She received her OD in 2014 and PhD in 2021 from Ohio State. Ann is a fellow of the American Academy of Optometry. Today, she will be discussing the July 2022 clinical and experimental optometry paper entitled Near Work Symptoms and Measures of Accommodation in Children by Drs. Angela Chen and Eric Borsting. Okay, so I'm thinking, and we start with a question. Why did you choose this particular paper for our binocular vision and pediatric audience? Well, first of all, I think it's directly applicable to those of us who work with children in our clinic, because as we know, many children suffer from binocular vision conditions, including those with specific accommodative problems. Um, and we also know that even if a child can read 2020 on an eye chart, they can often have other visual impairments that can cause symptoms like asthenopia, double vision, and other symptoms while they're reading and doing close work that's often due to an underlying uh, binocular vision disorder. So this paper seeks to better investigate the near work symptoms that children often have and how they relate to different accommodative problems specifically. A problem that we've seen in previous literature and previous research that look at symptoms in children with accommodative problems specifically is that they were using measures of amplitude of accommodation, which while we use them all the time clinically are a subjective measure, right? We're relying on the patient to tell us when something is blurry, which can be tough sometimes. Everyone has a different opinion on how that works. So the idea behind this study was to see how objective measures of accommodation relate to patient symptoms and our typical clinical measures that we often use. So then how is this one different? Meaning what BV measures did the study look at? So they looked in kids um, that were on average 11 years old, which I think is important because um, this is where it can be tough. There's a, a ranging scale on how, how kids can respond to things. But what they looked at in these kids was monocular amplitudes of accommodation. They looked at monocular accommodative facility, and they looked at monocular estimation method, or what we call MEM, which we use all the time as clinicians. And they compared that to the objective measures, which was done with the Grand Seiko autorefractor. And they had kids read for two minutes, and they would take measurements on the autorefractor at five different distances, including 0.3 diopters, two diopters, three, four, and five diopters. And they looked at how that compared to those clinical measures that we use and how it relates to their symptoms. And it's important to note that the symptoms were assessed using the Convergence Insufficiency Symptom Survey, often called CISS, which ranges on a scale from zero to 60, with zero being no symptoms and 60 being the most. So now is the moment of truth. What did they find? What they found was that in kids who were symptomatic, meaning they had some sort of, they scored high on the symptoms, 
um, their CISS score was 32.8 compared to the kids who were asymptomatic, which was only seven. So there's definitely a big difference there. And just a reminder for those who maybe don't use that scale a lot, when you score for kids who are under 18, if you score higher than 16, that's considered symptomatic. So there's definitely a big difference in the groups and that's how they separated the kids. And what they found is the kids who were considered symptomatic, they had reduced accommodative functions compared to those who were asymptomatic, which makes sense. Yeah. They also found when, we, when they compared the objective measures to those subjective measures that we use, they found that the clinical tests of accommodative amplitude and accommodative facility showed the highest correlation with symptoms, even compared to the objective measures. Wow. So I think that what everybody that's listening is now thinking how will the findings from this paper affect your clinical practice and then how should it affect ours? I think there's a couple things. So one of them is um, the reminder that the CISS symptom survey, I, I think a lot of times people go, oh, CISS, that stands for convergence insufficiency. And that's how the test was developed um, for kids that had a diagnosis of convergence insufficiency specifically. But I think this study highlights how you can actually use that off-label, meaning you can use that for kids who have other binocular vision disorders or other visual conditions that might cause similar symptoms. There's a lot of overlap. So for me, it's a good reminder that we need to use this to help pinpoint the symptoms our patients might have, and other practitioners can do that as well. This also shows that you don't need fancy objective measurements necessarily to get good measurements of your patients. So amplitudes of accommodation and accommodative facility are things we commonly use in practice. And this study shows, hey, these quick and easy tests could help you determine the best treatment for your patient. And that if you have a kid with near symptoms, running those two tests at least will help you better understand um, how the accommodative system is working and how you might manage your patient. I love it. Thank you so much. This is great information. And I think it's wonderful that we can make it relevant to clinical practice tomorrow. Absolutely. And a special thanks to Cooper Vision for their educational grant to make it all happen. Thank you.